welcome back to another episode of Laser Graves. I am your co-host, E.K. Wimmer. Hey, earwig canoodler? I don't know. Does canoodle start with a K? In this house, it does. Okay, well, you had five months to come up with a better one than that, and <laughs> this is where we're at, so coming out strong. I'm also Mariah Rose, um, and I will say in my defense that I totally forgot that existed until this very moment, and I looked at you with terror vision okay, and good. was so afraid, and it just came out that way. Okay, well, that's what you're in for. Mm-hmm. So we have been gone for a while. For our longtime listeners, I guess we have some explaining. For our brand new listeners, I think we have quite a bit because I didn't think anybody would care about our podcast after we stopped and it was kind <laughs> of the opposite. I feel like there was a little rage in the air of um, lots and lots of people reaching out and being very courteous, but gently nudging us to get back to it at some point. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm Glad you had your personal time, but <laughs> we're more important, <laughs> and we agree. Entertain us. Yeah, and then I feel like there's a third group of clueless people who were like, wait, you were gone? So, oh, yeah. Um, surprise, we were. Mm-hmm. We left in December, and we left with a caveat of maybe we'll come back, maybe not. We definitely needed some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, spoiler alert. We're back. We're back. (laughs) We're back. So the reason why we left was because we had a lot on our plate and we were kind of burning out. And I think when we last left, the the things that we were looking the most forward to were I was working on a new album and you were working on yoga certification. Mm -hmm. So update for all of our listeners. (laughs) Uh, I since have released several singles under the... Um, title Blood Relations. So if you want to check that out, it's like a post-punk kind of goth rock, dark wave stuff. It's really good. Oh, well, thanks. I'm not biased. <laughs> uh, it, I am on Instagram under, it's like a um, underscore blood relations. So check that out, share it. But yeah, that's up and running and the album's totally recorded. It hasn't come out yet, but I've released a couple singles. So that was a huge weight off my shoulders. And uh, what have you been up to? I don't know, just sitting around twiddling my thumbs. No. <laughs> That's what it seems like. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> uh, I'm actually, so I finished my teacher training and just jumped right in. So I'm finishing up my 500 hour certification uh, yoga teacher training. And, you know, obviously still doing art. And um, I also teach art history. And, you know, together we parent children, human children. Yeah, so you're on, you have an Instagram page now for your yoga, right? Right. It's just for people who care about yoga, so I'm guessing most of our listeners don't care. You never know. (laughs) Crazier things have happened. If so, it's just Mariah Rose Yoga. Yeah. You know what? I was just reminded of one of our last great genius ideas that we discussed was a horror movie that was based around a yoga studio called Namaste. We should get back to that. We... Definitely should. Let's actually stop podcasting and and write that. Sure. I'll see you guys in five months. (laughs) (laughs) So for those of you who are new to the podcast, we are an 80s based podcast. We do pop culture and stuff like that, but we do a lot of movies. Let's talk about how things will kind of change a little going forward. We are agreeing this isn't a one off. We're going to come back to, to twice a month again like we used to. I think we'll be doing a lot more movies like we did in the early days and just having fun because those research episodes do take a lot, but we'll do them from time to time. The big thing is we are not starting our Patreon back up. That was the nail in the coffin for us. It was a lot of work. We so appreciate all of you who supported us, but um, we couldn't do it. And we just were dying. Our souls were dying. (laughs) It was shriveling up. We were like the uh, poor unfortunate souls on The Little Mermaid. (laughs) We were two of those little squiggles. Uh, No, we were putting in a lot of work and we really do appreciate our, our patrons. They were awesome. We were doing time travel episodes. We were doing all this bonus stuff. And what we decided was because we're not gonna bring back Patreon, One thing we would like to do that we didn't do originally is the idea of maybe doing time travel episodes for normal episodes. The reason why we're coming back, I guess there's a good question, 
It was kind of under the surface a little bit. Maybe last month it started boiling. You tried to suggest it and I shut it down right away. But I think what happened was <laughs> the um, awareness of the Weird Al movie getting closer to release. That was, was for you. It was yes. like, how can we not discuss the Weird Al movie? So... That's what got the ball rolling of like, well, crap, I guess we're going to have to start the podcast back up because we have to discuss the Weird Al movie. Okay. So we'll get there. We'll do a time travel. Whatever gets Tra- you there. Travel into the future of 2022. Oh, yeah. Uh, but that is not what's happening today. We're we're still in the 80s. So enough with the housekeeping. Thanks, everybody, for coming back. For those of you who stuck with us. We appreciate <laughs> wow, it. Wow. You guys are crazy. Actually, special shout out to our good friends over the Bad Taste Video Podcast, (laughs) because those guys, not only did they lay on the guilt pretty thick early Mm -hmm. on, but they never stopped plugging us like every week. And I think it was like the subliminal, if we say it enough, they'll finally just give up. It works. It was like Stockholm Syndrome. I was finally like, okay, finally, we will do this again. But I also want to congratulate them. Last week they had uh, their 200th episode celebration and it was quite Holy the party. Smokes. That's so good. So, I mean, everybody else has pretty much given up on podcasting or died away and they're still going strong. So um, huge congratulations to Mike and Grizz. And if you are into really awesome, super obscure horror movies and you're not a prude, you should go check them out because they're awesome. Um Highly recommend them over at Bad Taste Video Podcast. But anyway, yeah. So we're back. Yeah. We're back. And those guys can get off my ass now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, whatever. But here we are. It is now. We've been here. But now we're here in front of a microphone. And we are going to discuss a very special movie. This episode will be about the one and only... Terror vision. Intellectual decay! Turn it off and watch your brain! Hey, the Puttermans are just a typical hey, 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 American family. The only thing they're missing is a pet. But have we got a surprise for them? You see, Stanley Putterman's new satellite TV has just gone on the blink. And it's drawn in a creature from outer space. Like all new pets, this one's causing a little trouble around the house. And he's eating the Pottermans out of house and home. In fact, it seems like this creature will eat anything. Well, just about anything. He looked right at my studs and cooled out. This dude's into metal! Now, it's up to the kids to break the creature of its bad habits. I said shut up! But he's not responding well to discipline. Earth children, please, I mean you no harm. I am Pluthar, here to save you. The Pottermans finally got themselves a pet, but they never even had a chance to give it a name. Terror Vision from Empire Pictures. So, Terror Vision, 1986. Now, this is a movie that's very special to me. And when we discussed what should we come back with, like, let's come back strong with a fun one. I said, let's do Terror Vision. And you said, to my surprise, Mm. oh, I've never seen that one. And I said, that's a huge load of BS. So for our listeners, uh, we watched it. Had you seen Terror Vision prior to this watching? (laughs) Indeed, I had. But in my defense, in my full defense, there are so many movies like Terror This, Terror That, Vision Quest, I don't know. Okay. Whatever. It's all the same. It is so not all the same. I, I just had to put my eyeballs on it again. Yeah. And then I recognized it. Yeah, instantly. Mm-hmm. Because of how it starts. But we have seen this movie before. Well, you have. I've seen this movie a lot. And I. one of the reasons why I wanted to push for it is because I really, really love this movie. I grew up with it. I rented it a lot as a kid. I I think one of my friends must have owned it because we watched it constantly. And it was just one of those films. And I know when you get into the like subject matter. um, But guess what? You know, that's how it was. 
I didn't really notice a lot of that stuff. It was all over my head. I was more into just the fun sci-fi aspect. But as I got older, I was like, oh, that's what that was all about. You would not have known what a swinger was when you were eight or whatever. No, but I kind of caught on to it. I just didn't care. I just thought this was a fun movie. But another part of this was, so we're, for our newer listeners, we're not a VHS podcast, but we primarily, 99% of the movies we cover are ones that we own on VHS because we're collectors or, well, I'm a collector. You just gave me that (laughs) death stare of don't clump me into that. I'm not a collector. I just, I can't be bothered. You have the attention to detail that I so respect. I love you for your obsession. That's kind. You're just reaping all the benefits of my hard work. But (laughs) one of the (laughs) the films I wanted, so we used to have a, a pretty large VHS collection back in like the late 90s, early 2000s. And then when we went to college, we sold it all off for the most part. We kept, you know, a couple drawers worth. And there were a couple films that I really wanted and just never owned. And Terror Vision was, was one of the top, top ones. I always wanted to have that film, mm-hmm. never had it. So when I got back into VHS and started actually even thinking of it as a collection, that had never occurred to me, by the way, but... It's probably 2018 is when I looked at what I had, you know, probably had like 100 tapes. And I thought, well, I guess I have a collection and then got into starting to build it sincerely. I set a goal, which was like top three that I, I really wanted to find on tape that I never owned originally. And Terror Vision was one of those top three. What were the other two? Eraserhead, okay. which I got. And um, I scored that one dirt cheap, too, because somebody said it had playing issues and I got it and it was like, it took me like 30 seconds to fix. So that was cool. And then the other was Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Right. Which we've covered. Yes, we have covered previous episode, but TerraVision was a big one. And I tried over the last couple of years to, you know, find it for a good price to trade for it. Couldn't get it. Well, a very good friend of mine, um, Mr. Chase, who goes under the handle Gravespitter on IG, check him out. He's got this insane collection, super nice guy. He knew that that was one of my top ones. And being the type of person he is, just decided to send me an extra copy that he had. And it I don't know if he knows how much that meant to me. (laughs) Because it was a long journey of wanting to just hold this dumb tape in my hand. But he sent me the lightning release, and I do collect lightnings, and so this was a big one for me. And that's the copy that we watched the other night to be able to discuss it. So Played like a gym? Yeah. Right. Uh, thanks, Jason. Thanks um, for indulging me in that long story of why it's not just a movie. It actually has a lot of meaning. It's one of your childhood specials, like House 2, which yes. we have not yet covered, right? <laughs> we will absolutely cover house too well Uh, and that's because we have two episodes that we threw away our very first two episodes that we ever recorded because we didn't know what we were doing yeah we had to shake out the jitters and now we know what we're doing now we're we're so good at it house (laughs) too and we're gonna come at you like a fury guaranteed i will fall asleep when we watch that no you won't i definitely won't do we do house one no, no, you would fall asleep during House 1. You yeah. would not fall asleep during House 2. Yeah, well, let's agree to disagree. Okay, well, TerraVision, <clears throat> this is a Charles Band joint. So we've talked about Empire Pictures a lot on this podcast. It's a, a well that just keeps on giving the elixir of youth to our podcast. Huh. And we had not covered this one yet. This of the Empire releases sits right between Troll and Vicious Lips. So oh. <laughs> good company. Oh, you took down your Vicious Lips poster. I was oh, looking it's for it. right behind you. I just swapped it out for that um, Twin Peaks one, but All it's right. going back up soon. Yes, Vicious Lips is another one that we covered <laughs> and absolutely love for some reason. Good, good company. 86 was the year. Not only was it like the best year for Empire, but mm-hmm. also the year that they probably screwed themselves and that's why they went bankrupt. Oh, well. You know, a couple years later. You live, you learn. But like that's, um, that's who put this out. And then this was directed by um, Ted Niccolo, who you would know from Full Moon, which came out of Empire. He was a mainstay, directed a ton of movies for Full Moon over the years, like Dungeon Masters, Bad Channels, which is a really cool film, uh, Ragdoll, a bunch of the Moonbeam child ones. But he's mainly known for his like bread and butter was the subspecies series. He did all of those. So mm. that's that's his real claim to fame. But that's who is at the helm. And I think 
even though he did a segment for Dungeon Master, this was his first like legit feature length film. So come out swinging, I guess. Oh, okay. All right. So let's jump in. Oh, you want to, huh? I mean, what else are we going to do? What are we here for? (laughs) To talk about this movie, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So um, the film starts off kind of stupid. Oh, I don't mean, I guess that's a subjective um, approach. It's like a laser beam shooting off of planets. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Ugh. Why was that a thing? I feel like I saw that a lot in the 80s. Yeah, you know, and that kind of reminds me, this has a, a, a Killer Clowns vibe to it, doesn't it? Is that it? from Killer Clowns also? Well, just the whole, like, shooting stars or meteors, like, all mm. these kinds of things. We've talked about this before. Alien Space Avenger has a good one where the guy <laughs> looks up and then <laughs> pees on his boots or whatever. Like, I, I mean, like that's a good theme in 80s movies is the, the shooting star that brings Alien to life. Um, Alien Warrior... When old buddy comes to Earth, you know, all these things. How do you have all of this just so accessible on the tip of your memory? I prioritize what's important in my life. You're a freak. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's it's pinging around. Something is pinging around the universe. But then it goes into the most awesome theme song ever. Oh, yeah, this is a big one. And uh, longtime listeners know we love our theme songs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just talking about Killer Clowns with the Dickies. But this one is top shelf theme song i would say what do you think it's really good it kind of reminds me and we were just talking about this band recently uh sophie lux oh well that's a deep cut out of portland from the like early, early 2000s, 2000s. Yeah. yeah whatever well i would say it's 80s art rock i it would say it's more in the vein of like oingo boingo or something yeah, like that Yeah, it's like the high-pitched scream singing that's also a little victorian yeah it's a little funky but the fibonacci's were this yeah, like I said, an art rock group. They put out a few songs for this, but they did the theme song, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. I have it on vinyl, the score, and side A is all the Fibonacci songs, and then side B is all the actual score to the to the movie that was done by, of course, Richard Band, Charles' brother. He did a lot of the scores for Full Moon and Empire and stuff like that. So it's kind of a neat way to divide up the score, but... Man, this Fibonacci song is so good. It's really good. We should probably jam out to it. Okay. Here you go. biased already to theme songs but man that's a good one it's catchy it's a really really good one so it's a jam yeah you're welcome if you hadn't heard that before put it on your playlist so we start off this film in sort of like an i don't know i want to say like an acid version of suburbia (laughs) yeah it is definitely like a fever dream version yeah so we meet the puttermans they're a family of four and they're a live-in grandfather the mother is named Raquel Putterman, who is played by Mary Waranov, whom we know already. Yeah, well, I think, did we discuss her a little bit in Chopping Mall? But, yeah. You know, you'd know her from Eating Raul. I just watched her yesterday in Rock and Roll High School. She's in Night of the Comet. She's, yeah, she's in, in everything. Warlock. She's just... She's in House of the Devil. <laughs> she's just in everything. She's really a cult figure. Awesome. I think she even goes back to like the Warhol factory days and stuff. She's, she's cool. Definitely cool. So it's neat to see her playing a really fun role in this movie. This is probably one of my favorite roles. She's, she's great. Yeah. She's great. She's like a suburban house mom who's really into uh, like aerobics. Yeah. Uh, the posing she's doing is so weird in that first scene. So she's like lifting her shoulders and looking over a shoulder. I don't know what the posing is, but it's fascinating. The father is Stan, who is played by Garrett Graham, who we know from Phantom of the Paradise. Yeah, it's beef. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, give yourself the gift. He's also from Child's Play too. Yeah, he's from a bunch of stuff, but I would say if you haven't seen Phantom of the Paradise, that is a, a must. That's mm-hmm. 
probably one of the coolest rock musicals ever made. Whoa. It's funny because I just discussed um, rock and roll high school, too. It's because mm-hmm. I'm, if you follow my tape account, it's under Arg the Awful. I've been all month of May doing uh, music movies like rock exploitation. So these are all really fresh in my brain because mm-hmm. I did discuss the first week of May um, Phantom of the Paradise also. So That's cool. yeah, it was great to see him in this as always. He's so funny. So we have uh, Raquel and Stan, the couple, but they have two children. Their daughter, who looks like uh, very much like Cindy Lauper, I would say. Her name is Susie, and she's played by Diane Franklin, who is most importantly from Bill and Ted. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people would know her from Better Off Dead, which she, I think, had done right before this. Yeah, but whatever. we love her from Bill and Ted, for sure. And then they have a son, Sherman, who is played by Chad Allen. And actually, I found this out. This is why he's so familiar to you, Eric. He's from your very favorite TV show. What is that? Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Oh, man. <laughs> Best show ever. <laughs> okay, so Stan, the father, has just been... Imp- uh, installed a super fancy like satellite dish which oh my goodness it's big it's great it's real big it's funny though you know growing up in the 80s that was a big thing like if oh. somebody had a satellite dish which looked like the size of a satellite dish you see at a news station you know when you drive yeah. by like a, a news station and it's got those huge ones mm-hmm. that's how they felt in the in the 80s well it's like we're in new mexico we've got the very large array of like satellites that are trying to like i don't know catch a message from et somewhere it's like that yeah. they're huge they're very big but there's also something kind of nostalgic about this whole scenario of terror vision of it and there's a few movies like that from the time. Stay mm-hmm. Tuned was another one. Mm-hmm. It, like, There's all kinds of ones that kind of play with the idea of television. But this one, for me, it just was the perfect mix of camp and, mm-hmm. I don't know, just the sets and everything. So it, it's it's a cool way to start. So stick a pin in that, though, because I really would like to watch Stay Tuned again. I wonder if it holds up. We should do remote control, too. Okay. Uh, okay, so... Back to our story. We've met our characters. Stan's just installed a satellite dish, and he's kind of frustrated because it's not, like, working properly. But the family finally goes inside. Oh, wait. First, I should say, it's also struck by a bolt of lightning. (laughs) Yeah. Which we later learn is the lightning bolt that's been zip-zapping through space for a little bit. And it lands on their satellite dish. Uh, Inside, the family is now checking out their satellite dish. They've got all these new channels. Their remote is the size of, like, I don't know, a a pug? It's huge. It is huge. Interesting that you went with pug. I don't know. But... (laughs) Let's talk about some of the channels, you know, like flashes through like war and porn. Mm-hmm. But it stops on a very special channel that I think it should have stayed on a little bit longer. Medusa's Midnight Horathon. Oh, no. I was going to say Tormentor by Wasp. Oh, my goodness. I mean, come on. This is the second appearance of Wasp in, a, in an Empire picture. But man, how could you not love it already? So I, I guess <laughs> the second you see Wasp in a movie, I'm going to be like, oh, this is like one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> Nerd. Especially Tormentor. I love, that's like a top, top tier song for, for me. But anyway, yeah, there is a quick clip of Blackie staring into the into the soul of the viewer. <sighs> it's not long enough, unfortunately. I'm sorry. And then eventually they turn into Medusa's Midnight Horrorthon, which is a little bit like... That 80s, like, Rhonda Shear, Shreer? Yeah, a little bit mixed with Elvira. I mean, that's really more... Yeah, more Elvira. You're right. You're right. Okay, so she's there. It's just a little little sampler. Keep her in your mind. We'll come back to her. And then O.D. comes in. O.D., who... Cool name. Yeah. Uh, He is Susie's boyfriend, their teenage daughter, um, first of all, I can tell you I will not be pleased if my daughter came home with an OD boyfriend. But oh, man. You probably like, would be. <laughs> Whoa, dude. <laughs> yeah. He's, and he plays it so well. I mean, he really does steal the show. He and Susie are really yeah. the, the, so charming and this, through this whole thing. Like, you love them every time they're on screen. Yeah. You're just smiling because... He plays it up with the whole, like, whoa, dude, oh, hey. Yes. Dude's in the metal. Like, he's really great. And, of course, this is, I think, what drew me in. When you have, well, when you have Wasp and then it's followed up by this guy, I 
already loved the movie. And I think that's what probably pulled me in as a youngin was this was like, oh, I, I like that guy. Yeah. So Odie is like totally a metal dude. He's played by Jonathan Grice or Grease. Uh, you might know him from Real Genius, which we should probably cover. That's at some definitely point. what I know him from. He's great in that. So he's Susie's boyfriend, meets the parents, and then they go on a date. Oh, wait, for our millennials. He was in uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Real genius is where it's at. We're a little bit older, and we feel a little bit judgmental towards uh, Napoleon Dynamite. I don't know. I guess we just need to revisit it. Probably. I feel like it was one of those movies that just tried too hard. It was pandering. Whatever. It was pandering. (laughs) So they go on a date. The parents head out. For a surprise, fun swingers date. Yeah. Okay. Interesting twist to the the plot. So let's pause here and talk about their house. Oh, the Pleasure Palace? It's amazing. It is bonkers. Like, the way it's designed. So, actually, why Mm -hmm. don't I just go ahead and give you this week's fun fact. What? Okay, fun fact, I think, because <laughs> I couldn't fun. confirm this. <laughs> <laughs> so this is like an asterisk next to the fun, fun fact. Fun possible fact. Yeah. So don't come at me if it's not right. The set designer's name was Giovanni Natalucci, and he was this Italian artist who was in charge of everything. And he really went over the top, like all of the, the sky, a lot of those outdoor scenes were all shot interior in a mm-hmm. soundstage. So it's like a cardboard sky and mm-hmm. stuff. All the weird statues. I think he even helped with Susie's character design and everything. But I'm... This is where the fun fact comes in. I'm almost certain he's the one that created those um, Nagel-style art prints that are throughout the entire house of, like, um, random... very sexual. Very erotic scenes, which are hilarious. Because they're just constantly behind the actors as they're trying to talk. Yes. And it's really funny. And there's, like, a Venus statue, but her... It's, she's like a um, fountain with water coming out of her nipples. It's just it's great over the top. It's all like red. They've got a sunken like living room, which, oh, if I had a sunken living room, I probably would never leave my house. I would become a shut in. It's a really great, I mean, the Pleasure Palace, it lives up to its name. But I also like about this whole film you were talking about when mary's doing the workouts at the beginning yes you can see her in the background but she's not the main character in the scene it's like there's always something to see behind what's happening yeah i really like movies like that i like when that happens and so the artwork that's just constantly in the shots like you have to look at it and you're just drawn to it it reminds me of do you remember in Royal Tenenbaums, that mm-hmm. giant painting of the kids on like the four wheelers with the masks and yep. their hands up? While they're, you're supposed to be paying attention to this conversation, but that stupid painting's behind them. Yep. It's a lot like that. And I don't know why that entertains me so much, but just the fact that the whole time they're walking through this house, you just see this crazy set design. So that's all this dude. I know that Ted, the director, went and visited like swingers homes i saw that too. to try and get a sense of what they they mm, were like i feel like maybe he just wanted to go to swingers houses <laughs> i don't swingers are a weird bunch there's a great scene in this movie that i love when they meet od and they're like man look at the way he dresses he dresses so weird as they're putting on their gold chains and all their outfits <laughs> for their swingers outfit. Yes. It's really funny. Yeah, they've got like kind of a 70s vibe, but like they're trying to exist in the 80s. Very interesting. But they they go on their date in hunt of like a couple. This leaves Grandpa and Sherman at home with the new TV. They fall asleep watching the new TV and are awakened by a weird like blobby green monster and... The monster comes out of the TV. Can we talk real quick about... Well, first, let's talk about Grandpa. Oh, 
I need to note here, Grandpa, all you need to know about Grandpa is that he is a loud supporter of regenerative food, meaning he really, really wants people to eat lizard tails because they drop their tails and grow new new tails. Yeah, he's one of these like World War II vets that has never left the war. Uh-huh, but so he dresses like he's tails. still a soldier and he talks like he's still a soldier. It's very funny, very over the top character. Mm-hmm. One thing I did notice is when they're alone and watching TV, he grabs that giant, as you said, a pug sized remote. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see the way he messes with the buttons, like, mm-hmm. neurotically, just, like, going for whatever? Mm-hmm. You know what that reminded me of? What? You know when we play, like, Mortal Kombat on the Genesis or something? I was like, don't say me, don't say me. It reminds me of you. When, <laughs> when you just, like, like, smash all the buttons at once and hope for results. What's weird is I always get results and dominate. Okay, well, there's only one that has a flawless victory. That's it's always me. me. But me. Grandpa's approach to to using the remote to the TV reminds me of you playing Mortal Kombat. Rude. <laughs> okay. Rude. Oh, and also I want to say that lizard tails are not a good source of protein because they're just bones. Also, when you finally see the lizards that he's harvesting, they're like iguanas. Do those lose tails? I don't think so. <laughs> I think just the little tiny ones lose the tails. So we have I just gotta tell a lizard tail story. Oh, okay. Yeah, we are in the Southwest. So we, yeah, we live in the Southwest and a lizard got in our house. We have, we have pets and the lizard just like decided their techniques is pretty smart. So they just drop their tail from their body so that they can escape. But the disgusting part is the tail keeps twitching. Yeah, it'll move around like a snake. Ugh. It's pretty cool. Why did I, I, to... I don't even know why I wanted to tell the story because now I want to vomit. But I used to pick them up when I was a kid. The like, tail? Oh, yeah. They were so crazy. Uh, They'll so... like wrap around your finger and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't gag on, so... on our show. So one came in our house and did that. Our daughter just grabbed the lizard and put it outside. And I grabbed a tissue to try and grab the tail. And I, I reached down and it like wrapped around and I just dropped it and like couldn't I can handle gross stuff I'm a real like gross friendly person talk to me about poop farts all of it I can handle it but a wiggling lizard tail just it made my spine hurt and my guts heave so wow yep so grandpa really disgusts me just on principle (laughs) because he eats them he offers OD one remember (laughs) Oh, no, dude, I just ate. (laughs) (laughs) That's so gross. Okay. Where are we? Don't eat lizard tails. Okay. So they wake up. The monster on TV has come out of the TV. Sherman sees it and knows what's happened, but Grandpa's like, convinced there's a burglar in the house. And so he's like, let's mobilize. And this is where we discover Grandpa's got a bomb shelter in the house that he, like, actually lives in and also has lizards in a it's big incredible. aquarium. It's incredible. That fallout shelter is, like, my dream come true. I, For those who don't know me in real life, I love fallout shelters, like, yeah. with a passion. So this, for me, you know, that probably explains why I like Gleaming the Cube so much, too. Mm. the fallout shelter there, but... Anyway, you're yeah, also an introvert. Let's just put that. That's out true. There. I didn't want to just close, like permanently close and seal off the world. But it's a really cool space. He goes down. He arms himself up because the yeah the aliens come through the TV. What do you think of that? I think it's really cool. It's got that classic '80s lightning yeah effects, like rainbow lightning, and it's out. It's great. So they go downstairs to like load up because Grandpa, you know, has the weapons because that's that's grandpa i guess and while they're doing that the satellite repairman comes because he knows about the uh, lightning bolt to the satellite and he's coming and working on it and he is the first victim of the monster so he is being eaten sherman and grandpa come up and sherman is like aware of what's happening but grandpa's like just a little there's a little lag time with grandpa and he doesn't know what's going on fully until the monster is squeezing his head and like basically just 
squishes him and then eats him, clothes and all. I don't really understand how that works. Well, he liquefies him. It like melts him and he just turns into this puddle of ooze and then he sucks him up. Let's talk about the monster real quick. Okay. It's like a gigantic, well, it's like a blob. It's not like a, Chet from Weird Science, but it's pretty close. It's somewhere between Chet from Weird Science and Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. Okay. Kind of. But slimy. So my question is, is this like a melt movie? Because that's the the whole style of this. It never gets um, brought up when we talk about melt movies, but I think TerraVision kind of qualifies as one. Okay, hold on. You're saying melt movie like I know what a melt movie is. Is it just where people melt? You figured it out. Yeah. What? Whoa, Whoa dude. <laughs> oh, you're into melt oh. movies, too. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, I've cracked the code. Okay, so he is kind of melted, but his clothes aren't. His clothes are intact, and the monster eats those, too. Yeah, and the, so we find out the monster is, like, not good. He's He just wants to kill everybody. He wants to eat. Yeah. He's hungry. And... Sherman, rightly, tries to alert the police. No dice. No dice there. Nope. The police do not want to hear about <laughs> a TV alien eating grandpa. So the parents come home, and guess what? They've brought a swinger couple with them, Cherry and Spiro. And the mom is like, Sherman, shh, don't talk about monsters and your dead grandpa. Go into the bomb shelter, and she locks him in. She's just wants no part in that well, conversation in her defense he comes at her with like a, a m16 rifle <laughs> she's not bothered by that part <laughs> no she's bothered by her swinger night being disrupted yeah yeah that's true i get it they see the grandpa stain like the stain of where grandpa was and they're like nope whatever that is we'll clean that up tomorrow we got a <laughs> swingers got a swing <laughs> yeah for sure and so mom just goes back into seduction mode she is like one goal and it's swinging they give a house tour the parents do so we get to again see this awesome house and the tour ends at what's like something between a pool and a heated jacuzzi situation it's pretty awesome i would love that yeah it's really cool so stan he's like check out our jacuzzi and also look there's our new tv above it and he's like trying to show them and it's wall mounted which was pretty impressive in the 80s i gotta say you think so yeah i mean that was pretty normal was it think about every hospital i don't know i didn't have like i don't even think i had like a real color tv until i was like eight (laughs) think about that scene in nightmare on elm street part three when freddie turns from the tv in the hospital and picks her up and puts her head through it maybe i don't know my family was super poor so Whatever. Okay, well, (laughs) wall-mounted TVs existed. Okay, I don't know. I mean, I'll give it to you when you point out certain things, like, wow, that was really forward-thinking, or that was ahead of its time, but I think in this instance, a wall-mounted TV doesn't qualify. 86, you go into somebody's house, they have a jacuzzi pool and a TV on the wall, and now that I'm thinking it, it might just be a TV in a recess in the wall, I don't know, but (laughs) it would have been impressive. I would have been like, these are the richest people I've ever met, and they're so fancy, and they've got all this sex art and this statue fountain. I would have been impressed. I would have been too. It, It is a really cool house. So they end up in front of the TV. A warning actually comes through the TV uh, from an alien named Pluthar, who (laughs) warns everyone to destroy their TVs and other electronic devices. He claims that there's like an accident and that a mutant disposal unit, uh, which could result in the annihilation of the universe. So I guess on their planet. Uh, mutant disposal unit resulted in that weird pinging off of the other planets into the satellite. I do like that he's really apologetic about it all. <laughs> yeah, he feels bad. He does feel bad. He does. But meanwhile, Sherman, who's been locked in the basement, calls... He does what any 13-year-old boy would do. He calls the Medusa from yeah, the Horathon. Sure. Me- Medusa's Midnight Horathon. He calls the hotline, and she does not believe his monster story, much like the police. So, meanwhile, Swingers Night's not going as expected because it turns out that both of the Swinger couple members are only interested in Stan. 
So they <laughs> they both would like Stan and Raquel is the the fourth wheel. Nobody wants her there. So things are kind of going a little bit wonky there. <laughs> they all kind of separate and the woman and the swinger couple Cherry, she's left alone in the jacuzzi pool, just being like super sexy in it for a little bit. But when everyone returns, the pool is covered with like a weird white froth and she's just at the other end looking seductive. But I'm going to spoil this for you and tell you that she has been eaten by the alien who is now using her body to make her look seductive. And she lures everybody else in, parents and her partner Spiro, into the pool and kills them all. Well... Doesn't use her body, though. I guess we should point out just the head. That's what's kind of creepy about this film. There are a couple moments that are kind of disturbing. And it's because the creature uses the head of the victim. Yeah. And can mimic the voice. It reminds me, again, of Killer Clowns, that scene in the police station Mm -hmm. when he's kind of the puppet. There's something really weird and creepy about it, but... Like human marionettes. Ooh, that's creepy. It's really creepy. Like when the mom looks in the bunker because she doesn't believe that grandpa's dead. Uh Uh-huh. And then grandpa's head kind of comes around the corner and is talking. Mm -hmm. It is pretty disturbing. And then the scene, though, where Cherry's head is just up above this foggy pool, but it's just sitting there and it's like not expressing anything. But you know that it's only a head is really creepy. I, I This is one of those scenes in the movie that I think actually is, is pretty effective. So everybody is consumed by this monster who is posing to be, or posing as Cherry. So she's there, everybody's consumed, and they start screaming. And Sherman hears this, and he's, you know, rightfully upset. He calls the police again, and they refuse to be believe what he's saying. And and he blasts his way out of the bunker. He uses grandpa's, like, dynamite or whatever. Oh, is this when we get that great quote <laughs> from quote? grandpa reminding Sherman about how to use explosives? Oh, yeah. if, if If it was earlier, it doesn't matter because I still want to use this quote. He says this to him. Remember what I taught you about explosives, boy? Blow your dang balls off. So Susie and O.D. return home. Their date has been finished, but they also do not believe uh, Sherman's uh, rantings about the monster who is loose upon their house. Susie goes to the parents' bedroom like she's not even going to deal with that. She just wants to be with O.D. She goes to her parents' bedroom and in the parents' bed, like tucked up up to their necks under the blanket are both of her parents, the swingers, Spiro and Cherry, and then whoop! out of surprise comes grandpa's head and she's disgusted and is like you do you i'm gonna close the door on this nightmare you know what this reminded me of that scene what society ew yeah shunting (laughs) felt like they were it felt like they were shunting so they had been all animated by the monster and they told Susie to skedaddle now the monster reveals himself at kind of simultaneously to OD, who's in a different room. And he is, like, chasing down OD. He's going to eat OD. But an OD, like, puts his hands up to block himself. And you see his, like, leather wristband with spikes. And for some reason, this brings about a sentimental moment in the monster. <laughs> yeah, and it's like reminds him of his master. So he becomes submissive to OD. And that's when we get this wonderful classic line from Terror Vision. Did you see that? He looked right at my studs and cooled out. This dude's into metal! Probably my favorite line. of the, I mean, probably everybody's favorite line of the whole movie. It's good. And then... Odie follows this up by giving the monster some snacks, and soon Susie, Sherman, and Odie are teaching it, they're feeding it, they're, like, ready to go. They decide they're going to show the monster Odie's heavy metal band, so they do that. Yeah, this is an important point. When, okay, well, I guess just for me. (laughs) (laughs) I love rock horror, but I love metal horror. Mm Mm-hmm. Terravision never gets mentioned as a metal horror movie. It is. But he is legit a metal musician to the point of even puts in his own song and plays it. 
And I like, I guess it's just weird that that never comes up. I mean, it'll it'll come up in in my now you catalog on my Instagram mm-hmm. account, but I just think it's really weird that nobody discusses it because like it's he's definitely like a metalhead musician mm-hmm. with a band. So anyway, I think that's worth pointing out. And you know, the monster does enjoy Od's band. He also learns their names, and they decide, you know, this is pretty good. Forget our family. Let's monetize this. And they decide, who should we connect with? What's the celebrity we can most easily connect with? Let's call Medusa's hotline. So again, we're back to this late night show with a character, Medusa. They ask her to come to their party and, like, they're hoping to, like, introduce her to their monster and get themselves famous and rich. Meanwhile, the police have finally arrived. They want to take Sherman to jail or something. I don't really get it. They're just upset with Sherman for the prank phone calls. But at the same time, Pluthar comes back for another message on the TV. And it really upsets the monster, I guess, to see Pluthar. So he rage eats OD and then the police officer. You're kind of sad, you know, you don't want OD to die. You want him to make it through. Nah, he was never meant to last. So now we're down to Susie and Sherman, and they're like, guess what? We gotta hunt this monster. And they do. But Pluthar comes through the TV. He's gonna rescue them. He's like, I got this. Here's the game plan. We're going to deal with this monster. We're going to also deal with all the dead people. They're, P.S., going to have to live in aquariums, but they'll be here again. Yeah, that is kind of funny. <laughs> That's a fun detail. <laughs> uh, and while he's explaining that the monster is like a weird pet on his special planet, and, you know, he's like telling him all this stuff, he looks a little threatening. Medusa comes through the, f- the door to attend their party, and she thinks she is saving the kids Hits Pluthar, who's got, like, a glass helmet on, cracks the helmet, it kills him. Pluthar is dead. And we are left at this point to believe that the monster has killed the kids. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just like, whoops, that was a bad move, Medusa. And we cut to the next morning. It's now, we're looking at Medusa, who has... Who is part monster. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty funny. Mon- She's like in the back of her car. Being yeah, she, she gets into her limo and orders the chauffeur who is like falling asleep, waiting all night to drive to the TV studio. So it, ultimately what it suggests is the monster's headed to the TV studio where they will have access to satellites and the ultimate destruction of planet Earth. Yeah, I mean, solid plan. The end. What did you think? Loved it. Yeah, this is a good one. This is a really fun movie. I think it's just got a little bit of everything that you love from 80s cheese. And it's got the set designs, like we said, were Mm -hmm. just over the top cool. It's like a character in the movie, for sure. Yeah, the acting is incredible. The story is hilarious. The soundtrack is great. I mean, it really is. Empire did put out some really great movies but this this is a top tier one well it's arty and like the overacting is perfect it's really really great yeah it's just got that great kind of it's not art house but it's got that weird art like quality to some of those 80s films that became cult classics it's a, a little like stylistically like dr caligari a little bit yeah i could see that you know with these set designs that are kind of cut out mm-hmm. and designs up mm-hmm. bright colors weird stuff but yeah this is such a fun film if you haven't seen it i mean i guess people maybe haven't seen it but i would highly recommend it it's great i'm sure you can find it it came out on dvd or maybe it was blu-ray i can't remember but it was a split with the video dead so if you don't have the tapes of either go that route because those are two really solid films to have in one little package have i seen the video dead i don't think you have we've got it right there but we could cover it at some point maybe i think you'd really like it okay anyway yeah check it out it's it's a really fun movie um, right in the golden era of, of Empire films. And really, you know, 86 and 88 are probably my two favorite years for 
80s movies, so... I really like 87, so let's cover okay, all Okay, well... <laughs> now you're just causing problems. <laughs> well, anyway, that is Terror Vision. Mm-hmm. Um, that was fun to talk about. We're back. There you go. Also, uh, DM us if you have an idea for us. We're open, but it has to be good or we'll ignore it. Yeah, give us your suggestions because we're back at it. Like I said, we're going to be doing more movies than we used to because they're just fun to do. We're trying to keep it casual, guys. Yeah, we're trying to, to just get back into the swing of things. So so send us some ideas. Just got to be from the 80s. Don't forget that. Um, yeah. Or I guess we could time travel now. Screw it. It's our I podcast. We'll do what we want. I don't know. We're just going with the flow. Don't put your expectations on us. Yeah. We're here. It is now. We're going to do it. Yeah, yeah, that's what's happening. Oh, gosh. Um, well, if you want to follow us, we are still on Instagram at Laser Graves. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I didn't delete that. I almost did quite a few times. I told you not to. Yeah, that was smart. You're a smart one. So smart. And I have my tape account on there at Arg the Awful. There are two A's in Arg the Awful. Arg, yeah. <laughs> Except he's not a pirate. He's like a Chewbacca-style character that likes to listen to boomboxes. But okay. And where are you at? I'm at Mariah Rose Wimmer and Mariah Rose Yoga. Okay, there you go. Well, I would say follow all our friends, but I think the only one left is is Bad Taste Video. Everybody else is kind of kind of just fallen away, but definitely go check out Bad Taste Video. Indeed. And um, and if. If I forgot somebody, because we have not been at this for a while, I'll just share. I guess like Neon Brainiacs and all them. Yeah. Okay. No, there's a bunch. Uh, we'll we'll get our. It's been a while, guys. Sorry. Yeah, we'll get there. Anyway, that's it for for this episode. We're back, and we will see you again. <laughs> Smooth. <laughs> Smooth. That's what you got. Uh, we'll see you again in two weeks. Bye. Bye. <laughs>